If you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab them. We're going to be uh, looking. Uh, we're going to be in the book of Philippians here in just a second. Um, but before we get going, I just want to say I'm so excited uh, to be here uh, in front of you guys, bringing uh, just God's word. Just humbled to bring His word this morning. So um, Philippians, uh, we're going to be in chapter four. Um, the thought we're going to be looking at this morning is um, what was I thinking? And here is kind of the, the, the motive behind that, is that we all get ourselves in or have been in a situation where when we look back, we can audibly sometimes say, what was I thinking? You know, just that moment of life, that, that season of life, the, you know, the de- a decision, a choice that you made that led you down a road, and you literally look at it and you're thinking, what, what was I thinking? What was I thinking? And so what, what we see is what, what stems from that is this, our thoughts drive our actions. The things that you and I think will eventually be what we play out, what we live out in our lives through our actions. Basically, what we think is essentially who, who we are. You know, it's our background, it's our belief, it's what we're building our lives around are these thoughts. So it's what we do. And, um, you know, even in the past, as we look at our country, uh, as we look at the U.S. As a, as a nation, our country has had some crazy thoughts, right? If you'll, re- you know, remember back, uh, you know, the... Um, you know, whenever we were uh, a British colony, right? The uh, 13 original colonies. Some, some of you could probably recite that song right now. That's awesome. Um, but we, we, we were basically fighting for our freedom. We believed that we should be a free country and not have to serve the motherland of Great Britain. So what did we do? We had that thought and we put it into action. And we, you know, there came the Revolutionary War. We gained our independence, our freedom from Great Britain. Um, some other things as a country, we had a thought that we could send someone to the moon. You know, it's like we did it. You know, no way we did it. We sent someone to the moon. That still kind of blows my mind that someone has literally walked on the moon. And um, some other things as a country, maybe some not so good things are segregation. You know, back in the past, you know, our country was very segregated and still dealing with some of those issues today. Um, women's suffrage was another one. Women weren't even allowed to vote at one point, you know, and I'm not even going to go into that, but they were not allowed to vote. There's, just, there's been these thoughts that we've had as a country that have really shaped who we've become today. And so with that in mind, I'm thinking, what does, that have, what does your life look like? What does my life look like? How could we you know, keep ourselves maybe from one of those, what was I thinking situations? I'm going to share one with you that I've had in the past. I was a small child, probably seven or eight years old, um, and I've always enjoyed a good fire. There's something about just a good fire, you know, even this time of the year, you're, down, you're, you know, you're out and around a campfire, getting the s'mores ready, right? And you can just, I could watch a fire for hours, just sit there and watch it. Some of you pyromaniacs are just like, yeah, I know, I know where this is going. So I'm seven, eight years old, my mom runs across the street, talking to my grandma. We have, above our sink, we have a hand towel, and... Um, like I said, I've always loved a good fire. I didn't really know the power that fire has at this moment. My mom and dad, they, uh, um, they, they, they smoked some cigarettes, so lighters were at our disposal about any time. You know, if, if you smoke, it's like, yeah, they, that person, hey, you know who to ask for a cigarette or uh, ask for a lighter, right? Uh, if you're at a kid's birthday, it's like, who? Yeah, I need a lighter. Okay. Anyways, you know where I'm going with that. So I find a lighter, and I go, and I'm like, I'm just going to light the corner of this handkerchief, just the corner and I'm seven or eight, don't give me some credit. Okay, it's like, I'm not thinking, but I was thinking it through enough. Hey, I'm right above the sink. Why don't I go ahead and get a, a bowl, a pitcher of water ready just in case? You know, what's the worst that could happen? 
And so I light it on fire, and I'm watching it. And like I said, I love fire. A little mesmerized, you know, by it at the time. And so the next thing I know, like, the handkerchief is like, there's no more, it's dissolving. There's no more handkerchief for some reason. And it's just like, the flames are getting a little bit bigger. Yeah, by the end of the day, I, I burned two of our cabinet doors. I did get it put out, um, but it, it was one of those things. Here's the thing. I, I lit it on fire, and I washed it, and it was really cool. Um, but it was literally, what was I thinking? You know, I lit a fire inside of my house. Um, but here's the thing. My mom came, it's hard to hide that, by the way. You can't hide that. How do you, what do you do? You know, like, newspapers, right? Um, but it's like, she came over, I got, oh man, I got in so much trouble, you know, it was, the, if you were a timeout person, I got in the worst timeout you could ever be in, if you're a licking person, I've got, I got whooped so hard because of that, but here's the point, there's always consequences, you know, that choice that I made and during that what was I thinking moment, there was a consequence to that, I ended up, I had to paint the cabinets pink, and I don't know if that was part of my punishment or what, or if she just wanted pink cabinets, but I had ended up painting them pink, um, but there was a consequence to that whenever my mom came home. Here's the thing. What if you were in one of those situations right now? What were if you were in one of those what was I thinking moments right now? Wouldn't you love to be able to avoid that? You see, I would venture to guess and I would say that your greatest regret in life, your greatest regret came at a time in your life when you were not following after the things of God. If you can look back and think about what are some of the greatest regrets you've ever had, What are some of those biggest, what was I thinking moments? You probably were not grounded in the Word of God and following after the things of God. And so what if we could actually keep ourselves from getting to that point? What, how, what if we, you know, if you look back and you think about that, you would probably change your mind, right? You, there were some, there would be some words that you would never say. There would be some things maybe you would do a little bit differently. Here's the thing, we can always see it from the outside, can't we? We can always see whenever someone else is in one of those what was I thinking moments, like, this is what in the world? What, what is that? Why would that person make that choice? Why would they go down that road? Why would, they, why would they choose to do that? We can always see it from the outside. It's so clear. It's so obvious to everyone. But for some reason, whenever we get in the middle, and whenever it's us, it's almost as if we have blinders on and we have no idea. It's like our thoughts start, you know, just getting discombobulated, just going everywhere. It's like we're not thinking clearly in those moments. Our thoughts are not where we need, where they need to be. Sometimes, I've got three kids. I've got a six, a five, and a two-year-old. Just turned two today. And uh, I love my kids, but um, sometimes they drive me kind of crazy, you know, because they're, they're outside playing. If you're a parent, you're like, you know what your kid is. You don't have to see what your kids are doing to know what they're doing. You know, you can just listen and tell what's going on, right? And so my kids, they would be outside playing sometimes, and, and sometimes as a parent, it is, it's fun to watch your kids play and interact and see what they're doing, see what they're getting into, you know, and see if they're making the, the right choices, right? And so you're watching them, and I, you know, sometimes I like to watch them from the back window there, and I'll watch them play, and you know, you can just see things building up. It's like I know what, when something's about to happen before it happens, I can almost see exactly what they're thinking, But here's the thing, as a parent, whenever they're about to do something that might be, you know, wrong or dangerous or, you know, that could damage something, I will run out there and I will stop them, you know, if I'm watching before it gets to that point. And I love that because so many times, that's what God does with us. Like, God doesn't want our life to be this huge, damaged, destroyed mess. God has so much more for us. And so with his word, it's like he's almost saying, hey... You know, I don't want you to go down that path. I don't want you to have a what was I thinking moment. And God actually is trying to give us the answer to help us avoid 
some of those moments all together in our life. And I think he does that in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. Let me pray for us and we're going to jump in. Father, we thank you for this time, God, as we come um, and study, as we look at your word, Lord. I pray that you would just speak so clearly your truth to our hearts, God, and that you would just have your way. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, Paul writes, Finally, brothers and sisters, finally, brothers and sisters, he's getting to the end of his letter to the church at Philippi, okay? And Paul is actually writing this letter. He's in prison at the time, probably in Rome. And so he's writing a letter from prison to the church of Philippi, and he's already gone, this is the very last chapter, he's already said three chapters of just awesome stuff. If you've never read the book of Philippians, I highly recommend it. Awesome, awesome book. But he gets to the last chapter here, and he says, finally, brothers and sisters. So basically, it's like he's trying to wrap this up in such a way that he's going to drive home a point. Like, I want to make a point. Everything I've said, I want you to hear this now. This is something that's very very important. He says, think about such things. Paul says this, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So we're going to dive into that this morning. We're just going to look at what, what do some of these words mean and how can we use them to filter our thoughts through. Okay, so the first thing we're gonna we're gonna jump on is this. Whatever is true, Paul says, hey, think about God's word says, think about whatever is true. And here's what I know: we live in a world that is um, constantly um, bombarding us with lies. It's constantly bombarding us. I mean, literally, it's everywhere, right? You get on the internet, you get on social media. You know, you go to the grocery store, magazine. It's like constantly, our lives are being bombarded by a bunch of lies that this world says, right? It's like, you, you know, you've seen, if you've seen one infomercial, you've seen them all. You really need this, 1999. You can't live without it, 1999. This will fix every, all of your problems, right? 1999, just buy it. You need it. It's there. It's going to help. But here's the, here's the problem, is that while the world is trying to get us to go down so many roads, going to trying to get us to go down so many ways, we know that what? There is only one true way, and that is Jesus. Jesus said it himself in John 14, right? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. No one can have a relationship with the Father except through me. So there's nothing else in this world. Everything, uh, you know, it's one of those things. Whenever you compare it with God, it doesn't look near as good. You know, but the world's going to dress it up. and They're going to make it look good. And that's where sin and temptations come into the picture. But Jesus, or um, Paul's referring here, he says, think about whatever is true. Why in the world would we pay attention to what the world tells us? We've got commercials, TV shows, magazines. So many people are buying into the lies that before they realize it, their life turns into one big lie. And they start living that lie. Instead of doing what we were created to do, and that's reflect the truth. You and I were created to reflect the truth of God's word. That's That's why he created us. You know, so as a church, as Christians, as believers, our life is supposed to be a life that is full of truth, full of honesty for the world to see. You see, our foundation, if you build your life on the false lies, it will eventually come crumbling down. But whenever your thoughts, whenever you begin to set them on things that are true, that's whenever a foundation is being built, a foundation that is solid, a foundation that will last. So we set our minds, our thoughts on things that are true. The second thing Paul brings up, he says, 
Whatever is noble. Now, this word noble, I, you know, whenever I think of the word noble, I don't, you know, it's like I don't consider my thoughts noble. I mean, I don't, I don't know. And honestly, when I think of the word noble, the first thing that comes to my mind is like kings and queens or princes, princesses, you know, that nobility, people of nobility. But there is one true thing about those people. Those people are, are always, they're worthy of respect. And so I think what, what, you know, God's word, what Paul's trying to get here, he's saying, you know what, our thoughts towards people need to be thoughts of respect. You have to realize, you know what, you and I, your neighbor, that person that you just cannot stand, they're made in God's image just like you are. They are. You are, you are to respect that person. I mean, they might do some things that drive you crazy. But here's the real question is, do we treat others with respect? Do you and I treat others with respect? Or are we constantly thinking, you know what? They're not worth anything. They're not worthy, They're not, not worthy of respect. And so we, we automatically say, you know what? I'm not going to show them respect. You know, I, how awesome would it be if, you know, we lived in a day and age where respect was something that we were just ingraining into, you know, into our kids, into our families. You know what I mean? Like, I, it's, you, you have a respect. You don't have to agree with everything that they do, but there should always be a respect because that could be another brother or sister in Christ. So he says, whatever is noble, whatever is true, whatever is noble, the third thing he brings up, he says this, whatever is right. Now this word right, it can mean like whatever is just, or whatever is fair. Um, a lot of times, I know that my thoughts are not fair. They're not fair to that person that I'm, that I'm maybe thinking about. They're not fair maybe in a situation. And I think as adults, why they're not fair is because what? Life's not fair, right? So we say life isn't fair. But here's, here's what we've got to remember. The one is, who is in control of our life, he is fair. He is just. He, he, he is these. So, so, so we've still got to think our thoughts need to be fair. And the crazy thing is, is Paul writes this whenever he's in prison. What do you think he got thrown into prison for? Stealing? No. I mean, killing someone? No. Paul got thrown into prison for sharing the word of God, for spreading the word, proclaiming the message that God had given him to, to tell, to speak. Is that fair that he's in prison? No. But Paul says, I want you to think about things that are fair. Think about things that are right. Think about things that are just. James chapter 4, verse 17, talking about putting it into action, it says this. Whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is a sin. If you know what's right, if you're thinking and you know what's right, for you not to do that, the Bible calls that a sin. So Paul says, you know what, I want to remind you, your thoughts should always be right or just or fair. The next thing he says is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right. He says whatever is pure. Um, this is a hard one. Pure, pure thoughts are so valuable, but they're also something that um, it gets very, very overlooked. And, and I will say this, pure thoughts, it's, it's a lot harder, I think, sometimes for guys um, than it is for women. And um, I, I don't want to hit on this too long, but I do want to bring it up. This is something that guys struggle with probably more than, that, than they would uh, care to share with other people, just the pure thoughts. Um, you know, I, I looked up some of the, just uh, the pornography statistics in our country today. And um, right now, that industry is actually, it, just in the U.S. alone, it's a $13 billion industry, the pornography industry. It is. Why is that? It's on, and it's on the rise. Why is that? It's because people are, people are buying into that. People are not having pure thoughts. 
Um, also, you know, they, they, they say anywhere between 60 and 80 percent of, of men inside of, inside of the church struggle with some type of pornography. Um, they, they've got to struggle with it. Um, you know, there's even, you know, numerous, they say about, you know, almost 50% of church pastors are struggling with pornography as well. It's just so rampant. And so it's something that I definitely want to hit on. But here, here's the thing. God calls us to have pure thoughts. To have pure thoughts. And but this is what makes it so hard is that if we're not careful, if we do not set a safeguard in our lives, we will begin walking down a road that we never want to go down. Because here's the thing. If you were to go up to those, to those people, and if they were being truthful and honest to you, and you would ask them, hey, is this, do, you, do you like being addicted to pornography? Almost each one of them would probably say, no, I, I don't. No one really likes what they're addicted to. They don't. But here's the thing. They weren't setting a safeguard in place. All it's just, the truth is, and they say 80% of pornography now is digital. The magazines, movies, those are like gone. Those are a thing of the past. It's a click now. And see, if we're not safeguarding against that click, that one click is going to turn into two clicks and so on and so on. And we're going to be going down a road that we don't want to go down. So if that's you and that's something you're struggling with, listen, I want to say this. We are here for you as a church. We are here for you. There is actually, um, come, and, come and visit with me afterwards. We can you know, meet in private, whatever you want to do. Me or Brandon would love to talk to you about it. There's a, there's a website called Covenant Eyes. And it's something that we as a church, we really push. And it's, well, the reason we do it is because it is a godly it's a godly, uh, and that's the only thing. God's got to be the one who sets us free of that. No one else, no, nothing else is going to set you. You're not strong enough. You're not. If you were, you would not be doing it anymore. You're not strong enough. God will set you free. But one of the things it does, it pushes the word, and you know, it has the power of that, but it also brings in the power of accountability. You know, it can actually set up safeguards on a phone or on a you know, computer or whatever, a tablet, whatever. And you can actually set up a safeguard, but you're held accountable as well. You have an accountability group. So that's you. Covenant Eyes, an awesome website to go to just to get some help from. And like I said, if you need to talk a little bit further um, about that, just come and let us know. That's something I like. I just want to touch on it because I know it's a big deal right now in our country. We'd be foolish not to talk about it. So the thought of being pure also, though... Um, there's a value to that. And here's how I know there's a value to pure things. We will go to a convenience store and we will buy a bottle of water from anywhere between $1 to like, I don't know, like the smart water is like what, $2.50? I don't even know. And some of us like, we took it, you know, we, we drank some smart water like, and then we went and took a test and we're like, wow, this stuff really works. Like, I'm going to start buying this every, before every test, Right? Uh, but no, we have a value for water. Why? Because it's pure, because it's been filtered. We know it's very, very clean. We have enough clean water here in America. We don't even have to worry about clean water. We love it because it's pure. And, you know, we know that tap water in the state of California is known to cause cancer, just like everything else, right? And so we don't even drink tap water anymore because we love things that are pure, right? Ladies, you love things that are pure, don't you? Those things you have on your, your uh, ring finger there? You don't, do you like that to be pure, or do you like it to have the yellow tint, you know? It's like, no, you wanted that thing to sparkle, right? How do things sparkle? They're pure. They sparkle whenever that light comes in, it reflects off of it. Why? Because it's pure. You know, guys, just uh, if you're buying a, a ring, you know, a diamond, remember, you, they don't like the yellow ones, okay? They tend to like the ones that are a little more pure. Um, yellow ones are cheaper, though, so keep that in mind. There's a balance there. Um, we love things that are pure. Um, would you love, wouldn't you love for your spouse to know, to know that your spouse has having pure thoughts? Wouldn't, you know, wouldn't that be awesome? You know your spouse is having pure thoughts. What about your kids? 
Wouldn't you love to know your kids are having pure thoughts, your coworkers, your boss? Yeah, we want, we want everyone to have pure thoughts. But for some reason, whenever it gets back down to us, it's a whole different ballgame. And we begin justifying our thoughts, don't we? Ah, at least I'm not actually doing it. At least I don't, you know, at least I'm not in it that deep. And we begin, we begin really making an excuse for impure thoughts in our life. Um, here's the thing about, about pure. Um, purity has to be something that's pursued. You don't stumble into purity. You actually stumble into impurity. So if you want to have pure lives and pure thoughts, it's something that you have to have some self-discipline in, but you've also got to rely on the strength and power of Jesus Christ working in your life. If you want to be pure, it's something you have to pursue. Um, real quick, uh, I, God just really began hammering this purity thing home. And, uh, you know, we like to, you know, in purity in thought, but also purity in heart. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, Jesus is giving the Sermon on the Mount. And he says this, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And so I, as God was just, just kind of just breaking this down in my life, I re- it really kind of hit me. I can tell if my heart or my thoughts are pure by the words that come out of my mouth. You know, Jesus says in Luke 6.45 that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So whatever's in your heart will eventually come out of your mouth. Or whatever in your mind will eventually come out of your mouth or out of your life. And so I can tell if I'm pure simply by the way I talk to my wife, by the way I talk to my children, by the way I talk to my boss or my coworkers. I can tell if my thoughts are pure or if my heart is pure. The way I talk to and about others also reveals the nature of my heart. Basically what I'm saying is we've also... My speech needs to be pure. That starts with a pure thought, and it starts with a pure heart. Purity is so, so important. It has such a value, and it's such a great value to have, but we have to pursue it. So the next thing, he says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure. And then he gets to this, whatever is lovely. How many of you guys would consider your thoughts lovely, right? That's not a word we use very much. We don't use the word lovely a whole lot. I know I don't. Like, oh, that's so lovely, you know. Um, you definitely wouldn't hear me say that. But, but here's, here's basically what it means is like generous. Like you're having a generous thought or a giving thought um, and being generous about others. Now, here's sometimes the way I break down things like this is like, what is the opposite of that? I said the opposite of that is being critical or being cynical. And that's something we're all pretty good at, isn't it? We get so critical sometimes, Right? I used this analogy in the early service. Like some of us get so critical, it's like, I can't believe you're putting that, putting the dishes that way in the dishwasher. Like really, it's like, like you have a better way to do it, so you get so critical. But at the end of the day, all that matters is that the dishes are getting washed, right? That's really what matters. But we honestly, we all have this this thing that just makes us automatically go straight to critical. We've been criticizing others instead of building up. You know how awesome would it be? If you were, you know, in a family that built you up, in a family that was trying to pour truth into you in a loving way, not just always, I can't believe you're like this. I can't believe you did that choice. It's like we are so critical, and the whole time God is thinking, I'm thinking like, why in the world would the church, which don't grant it, we are all hypocrites. We are. But how awesome would it be if, you know, God, God doesn't condemn us because of that. No, His grace is bigger than that. Why are we not showing that grace to others? So we're critical, naturally. God says when we think about others, we're to have lovely thoughts about them. 
And I know that's going to be hard. I'm not honest. There's some people that you're like, yeah, but you don't know this person. I'm just telling you the word, what the Word of God says. Have lovely thoughts about them. Um, lovely, being generous or giving. Here's the definition of generous, because I, I looked at something, and it just kind of, kind of blew me away. It says this, generous is this, to give more of something, such as time or money, than is necessary or expected. So if we're talking about the idea that our thoughts drive our actions, how can you tell if you're having a generous thought? Are you having a generous action? You see, if your thoughts drive your actions and you're having a generous thought, that means your, your life is going to reflect that. It's going to reflect generosity. You're going to be giving. You're going to be a lot more giving to others, even though they might not deserve it. And even when it's not expected, you're giving your time, your money, your resources. Those are things that are worth thinking about, but more than that, those are things worth doing. You're having lovely, lovely thoughts. Next thing is this. He says, whatever is admirable. Some of your Bibles here might say commendable. Um, admirable, if you break that word down, it's to admire, right? To admire something. It's as if you're, you're setting it up on a pedestal and you're just kind of taking it in. You're admiring. Some of you might have um, the, uh, the fine china, right? Uh, you know, just the, uh, that you have at home. And it sets in this, it sets in this perfect, you know, glass um, just hutch there and it just like, it, it doesn't get touched, right? It's like, you can't imagine what it was like if those dishes got dirty because it's the fine china. So what do you do? You sit there and you eat on a paper plate and you just stare at it like, that is so awesome. And you know, I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm just teasing. But really, you're, you're admiring this fine china. Here's the thing. In our lives, you know, we, we have thoughts that should be admirable. Thoughts that are up here that we, and not down here. Thoughts that's like, Almost like it inspires us. Have you ever admired someone in your life? I know you have. Think about whoever you admire in your life. Why do you admire them? Because of an attribute they have, because of something they've done for you in the past, because of who they are as a person, the respect you have for them. But here's another thing. Does that person you admire, more than likely, they probably inspire you, right? A little bit to become like them. What if we let that do that with our thoughts? What if our thoughts were so fair? It's like, God, I'm inspired to live after you and the things that you're about. Not it. Colossians chapter 3, verse 2, this is it better than I can. It says this, set your minds on things that are above, not on earthly things. I can't say it any better than that. Set your mind on things that are above. Let your thoughts be on things that are above, not on earthly things. Whatever is admirable. So it gives us that list, whatever is true, Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. And those are all awesome things that I think if we were to sit down and be like, yes, I would love to think about those things. I would love for that to be the characteristics that are in my life. I want my life to look like that. And so if it couldn't get any harder, right, Paul just kind of wraps it up. And he says this, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, as if, you know, you couldn't just like, you're thinking out here, like, God, I could work on pure for the rest of my life, you know? I could work on right for the rest of my life. And it's like, now it's like, excellent. you see what Paul's doing here? He's just upping, he keeps upping the bar here. Most excellent people are excellent because they think about excellent things. Honestly, most excellent people are excellent because those are the type of thoughts that they have. They have excellent thoughts. Um, this list is certainly hard to follow, but Paul, one of the reasons Paul is setting the bar so high is because if we simply, if we only think of nothing, or if we only think of things that are false, or things that don't matter, that's where our lives will eventually end up. You understand? 
If you're only if your if your thoughts are down here, your life is going to end up down here. You know, and so if you're only thinking about those things that are, you know, unjust or impure or not right or false, that's that's where your life is going to end up. So Paul is he's saying you need to be thinking about these things because your thoughts will eventually drive sorry, drive your actions. If we believe that our thoughts drive our actions, then we better be paying attention to the things we are thinking about. Here's a quote that I found, and I, I, it says it so good. It says this, thoughts that hold us most, mold us most. Kind of rhymes a little bit. Is that rhyming? I don't know. Thoughts that hold us most, mold us most, right? The things you think about the most are the things that are going to captivate your life. The things that you're going to pour money in. Things you're going to pour your time in, Right? Why? Because you're thinking about it. You're obsessed with it. You can't get it off your mind. See, chances are in the past you've made a decision. You've been in one of these what was I thinking moments. Maybe for some of you, um, it was a past relationship that you look back on it and you're like, I never should have been with that person. I never should have been with that person. And you made a decision and now you look back and you're like, what was I even thinking chasing after them? Maybe for some of you it was Maybe it's quitting your job. Maybe it's like, man, I, you know, I've got another job offer, and you quit your job, and it's like, I don't, what was I thinking? Like, I should not have. Maybe for some of you, it was that house you bought, that car you bought, that you look back on it now, and you're like, man, this this payment is super high, you know, and you know, people are getting laid off left and right. It's like, what what was I thinking? You see, the whole purpose of this is what what if we could not have to go through that. What if God is actually saying, I've got a better way? The thoughts that hold us most, mold us most. Paul says at the end of this, to think about such things. That word think, it simply means to dwell. To dwell upon. Or to, to reside in. Or let, so basically Paul's saying, let these thoughts, let these things that are pure, that are right, that are noble, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. Let these things take residence in your mind. Let them live there. Dwell on them. Think about them as you go throughout your day. Think about what is. what does that mean? Are, are my thoughts like that? Is that what my life looks like? Do they reflect these thoughts? We should be living in those kinds of thoughts, which means our actions should reflect that. Um, the best illustration, or one of the good illustrations I have is coffee. Coffee drinkers, you know, anybody love coffee in here, right? You've already had like a pot, you know, and you're on your second. Um, the thing that always gets overlooked with coffee is what? The filter, right? The filter. You cannot have a good coffee. I don't care what kind of, you know, the coffee grounds, beans, whatever that you've got. I'm not a coffee. I drink Dr. Pepper. I can't. I'm not. Yeah, I, Dr. Pepper is not filtered as far as I know. I don't know. Maybe it would be better if it was. I'm not sure. Um End up with 22 instead of 23 flavors, who knows? But it's a filter. The filter always gets overlooked in the process of coffee, but it's essentially the most important to a good cup of coffee, right? Or for some of us, it's the napkin at the dinner table, right? The napkin always gets overlooked until you have, you know, food all over your face. And it's like, where's, you're looking around like, well... I can wash this, you know, and you start wiping your face with your shirt. It's like the napkins overlooked. Or, you know, I'm a, I'm a sports person, so I, I love bringing things into sports. Like yesterday, I promise you there were probably five or six teams that uh, 
probably overlooked their field goal kicker, right? The field goal kicker always gets overlooked until when? Until the end of the game, and he's needing to come in to win the game, right? No one in the stands is wearing the field goal kicker's number on a jersey, right? Maybe the mom of the player, you know, the poor mom's like there, and she's got it on and just kind of watching every kick or not watching every kick. And, but it's like, they, you know, they're not needed until they're really needed, right? Well, that is the cool thing about this. You see, as, as we're talking about this, some of you are like, I, that's, that's cool, that's a neat idea. But you don't really need it right now. But here, you're going to come to a point in your life where this is so needed for you to have a filter for, what if we could filter our thoughts? What if, what if we could filter, what if we could take this verse, Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. And what if every single thought that came into our mind, we, we ran it through this filter of Philippians chapter, is that true? Is that noble? Is that right? Is that pure? Is that lovely? Is that admirable? Is that excellent or is that praiseworthy? Like, what if you ran every thought through a filter? What would become of your life? What are some things that would maybe change in your life? What would some things that maybe be different in your life? Here's the thing. I want to encourage, because 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5 is very clear. It says, take every thought captive. Put it under the lordship of Jesus Christ. So we've got to be careful about what we're thinking about. So what if we memorize this verse? Uh, you guys, I know you're thinking memorizing, no. But here's the thing, you memorize things all the time. You could come up here and, you know, say the Pledge of Allegiance or the National Anthem, your favorite, you know, song, you know, your favorite country song. You come up here and sing it. You probably wouldn't, but you could, right? You know the words. You know movie quotes, right? Some of you at work, like, you just play a game and you, like, name a movie and all day long it's like you think of the funniest quotes you can from the movie. Like, we memorize things. What if we took God's Word and began memorizing it? Because here's the thing about memorizing. You know whenever, you know whenever uh, memorizing comes into fruition? When you need it. You see, it's kind of a point. At the time you're memorizing, and you're like, I don't even know if I really need this right now. But I promise you, if you know it, God will recall, the Holy Spirit will recall God's word in your life at the time when you most need it. And you're going to be able to say during that time of temptation, no, 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 Satan, this is what God says. This is what God's Word says, and that's what I want my life to be built on. Jesus Himself did it, right? Matthew chapter 4, every single time He was tempted. It is written, it is written, it is written. What if we said, you know what? It is written. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. True. Whatever, think about whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. When we memorize things, it sits in our brains and it comes up when we need it. Let it become a filter that lays over our thoughts and actually begin to think about what you're thinking about. See, you've got thoughts that run through your mind. I forget, there's a number that I, I, I forget, I looked it up a long time ago. There's like, I forget, it's like 64,000 thoughts in a day or something, the average person. Some of you are like, mine's more. And other people are like, yeah, I'm not there yet. Um, you probably never will be. But here's the thing, it's like, we have so many thoughts running through our minds every day, guys. We've got to start thinking about what we're thinking about. Because at the end of the day, your thoughts drive your actions. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word, God, just for the truth that it is, that we are able to um, read it, God. But more than that, I pray that this morning you would help us to to process it, God, and apply it in our lives. Lord, I want to pray even over this verse. It's just one verse, 
But I feel like, God, if we could just memorize it and let it take hold in our life and let it take root in our life, God, that a beautiful tree would begin to sprout from it, God, and that you would cause it to grow because that's what you're all about, Lord. So I want to pray over this morning, Lord, that you would just come and that you would let your word resonate in our hearts in such a way, God, that we are changed from the inside out. Father, I thank you that we are able to see what we need to be thinking about. I pray that you would help us to think about the things we actually are thinking about, God. And if they're unhealthy, God, if they're they're not biblical, if they're not things that honor you, God, I pray that you would take them from us because we can't do it on our own. We want to cast those and forsake those things before you, God, so that we can truly follow after you. Lord, would you help us to deny ourselves so that we can truly be your followers? God, we love you. We praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen.